The last thing each day is to set an alarm for the first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR. Our girl's going to be busy today. I hope you got your coffee, Renee. I've got a double shot ready to go Michigan weather-sized coffee. <laughs> That's right. You just <laughs> went into uh, the 7-Eleven and said, uh, give me the winter storm traffic reporter uh, <laughs> special, please. Yeah, m- many people don't realize that's a size. Right. It's it's secret, and I guess the secret's out. But, uh, yeah, we got uh, we got off pretty easily in December. Um, and so far, it's only raining out right now. But once those temperature drops, uh, it's it's going to be quite a mess. Yeah, the ride in was nothing this morning. Actually, three quarters of it was dry. But now uh, the rain started pelting as we came in. It was kind of hard to tell if it was uh, rain or freezing rain. So definitely give yourself a little extra time as you head out. It's not terrible yet. But as the morning goes on, you know, right now the traffic volumes are lighter, obviously. But as the morning goes on, it's, it's obviously going to become a little more complicated as we go. Yeah, and I'm I'm just I I was just driving in today, um, like, uh, like it was already freezing because you you can't tell. We're in that kind of mid 30s, kind of halfway in between. The right. temperature could drop at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like this rain is going to switch over to snow very soon, and then sometime between 10 and 11, it's going to switch back to rain. Um, which could lead to some flooding. So it's just a very messy forecast. And then over the next few days, it's going to fluctuate between rain, snow, rain, snow, rain, snow. So just keep it locked here on WJR. And uh, Renee will get you through. We got you, boo-boo. <laughs> we got you back. <laughs> so, you know what? I'm one of those people, too. I, I'm one of those people I will definitely drive 10 under in the slow lane. Um, oh, same here. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know... I know there's a bunch of people out there who who hate those drivers, but I don't know if uh, if I feel like if I feel like um, there's a chance I could spin out and die. I don't really care if you're mad at me. So um, I'm not here to make friends, Renee. I'm here to survive. That's right. And we're all grateful that. for that. We need you, Mike that. Parsons. Thank you very much. I'm going to get that uh, tattooed across my stomach like Tupac and Thug Life. What? <laughs> Never. Now that hey, I pay you know, to see. Yeah, you would. Well, uh, <laughs> only fan. Um, anyway, uh, so hey, you know, uh, congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines. They held up their end of the Detroit football fan dream season uh, by beating Washington in the, as the kids say, the natty yesterday, 34 to 13. And uh, I got to say, Jim Harbaugh showed quite a bit of quickness trying to avoid the Gatorade bath there at the end of the game. It's quite stealthy. Yeah, I mean, the guy still got some mobility in the pocket there. And I guess that's a thing. I, I guess Jim Harbaugh doesn't like uh, to get the Gatorade bath. But... Uh, you know, who wants the Gatorade bath? It sounds cold, think... wet, and sticky. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously they were in Houston yesterday and they were in a dome. But could you imagine <laughs> being one, being like playing in like Pittsburgh or in Boston um, in the playoffs Ugh. in January? No, Ugh. no, no, no. Yeah. You know, I would do, I'd say, okay, you guys can give me the Gatorade bath, but you guys are going to be drinking warm room temperature, hot tub temperature Gatorade all right. game because you're not dousing me with the ice cold no. Gatorade. No, uh-uh. It's kind of um, like that, uh, what were they doing for ALS, the the cold ice water challenge? Ice, bu- yeah, ice bucket challenge. Yeah, ice bucket challenge, yes. 
the uh, football teams have been doing the ice bucket challenge since Gatorade uh, became a sponsor of all the leagues. Exactly. Uh, Donovan Edwards, who had a bit of a down season statistically to last year, uh, he had a hard time finding the end zone. He went off in the first quarter, scoring twice on two of the longest runs um, in college football playoff history, two of the three. He looked like uh, one of those creative players on PlayStation on those two runs. It was incredible. And, uh, you know, Rana, I kept waiting for the game to become a blowout because it looked like that's where it was heading in the first quarter. But the second, third quarter, they turned out to be defensive battles till late in the fourth, an interception, a long return, set up Blake Corum, second touchdown to ice the game. Michael Penix, who had a hell of a season, he looked rattled early on. There was a drive in the second quarter where Washington was called for two offensive penalties, pretty close together. He looked frustrated. Then he overthrew a wide open guy. Uh, surefire touchdown on fourth down in the second quarter. Uh, when he's normally pinpoint accurate. And that's when I said, okay, they don't have it tonight. And Washington's 1200 yard rusher, Dylan Johnson, he was playing too, uh, he was playing hurt. So I'm sure that didn't help. And, you know, some people are arguing that there should be an asterisk next to the season with the sign stealing allegations. I think the fact that they had to be Penn state and Ohio state without Har- Harbaugh gives them a little bit of the credibility sure. back. And going back to last season, September of 2022, Jim Harbaugh, he made the switch from Cade McNamara to J.J. McCarthy. And at that point, I, I thought Cade got railroaded. He was playing fine. He was a captain, but obviously pre- proved to be the right decision. J.J. is almost undefeated as a starter. His only loss was when they got routed uh, against TCU last year. Um, but he stayed on the field and he watched the TCU ce- TCU celebration and he used that as fuel and isn't uh, lost since. So it turned out to be the right decision. Harbaugh did something similar in San Francisco. Alex Smith, he was playing fine, but he recognized something in Colin Kaepernick, and then they went to the Super Bowl. So now Harbaugh watch begins. Ward Manuel, the athletic director, didn't sound too optimistic about Jim Harbaugh staying. So so we'll see. He, he and everyone else are being linked uh, to the Chargers job. But I, I guess... Uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh did offer a little bit of commitment up to the the University of Michigan last night, Renee. Uh, perhaps you and Jim Harbaugh together can go make a tattoo appointment. Get a uh, Groupon. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I don't know that I would get a, a Groupon for a tattoo as someone that has quite a few tattoos. I don't advise <laughs> that. However, he did tell Brad Galley that uh, from Channel 7, I'm going to get a tattoo that says 15 and 0. I'm doing it. I made that vow. I made that promise and I'm going to do it. To quote J.J. McCarthy, bet, Harbaugh said. <laughs> right. So. Well, that's kind of a weird thing to do on your way out of town. Maybe if you're a Michigan fan, you, you take a glimmer of hope. I mean, that. it's still an achievement. Right. Uh, you well, know, I, I have a large radio tattoo that says on air on my arm. For those that know me, know that. Um, and then two weeks later, I, I lost my radio job. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but so is radio. <laughs> Right. I know you jinxed it. Uh, yeah. No, it's called yeah. that's radio. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sure. Blame the industry. Right. No, it's so right. stable. <laughs> no, it is definitely. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know what? <laughs> we do a lot of crazy things when we're kids. <laughs> right. But I did that I at 40, you... Mike. <laughs> oh, you know, you're still a kid. <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, I mean, I, I did never I never thought of Jim Harbaugh as the tattoo guy. Well, I mean, he, you know, he's, he's obviously kind of a a different dude as we've all noticed. Yeah. I never thought of him as a chicken guy either. So. Right. You know what? There's so many layers to this guy. He's like an onion. Right. I I mean, he's, he's so eccentric that 
maybe all these classic telltale signs that he's leaving actually just means he's staying. Right. Him and his chickens are staying. <laughs> Good. I, I, I did. I did love the. I, I did love his uh, chicken soliloquy. <laughs> no. Um, an Israeli airstrike killed an elite Hezbollah commander in southern Lebanon on Monday. Yeah, uh, it, it, an Israeli drone strike on his car, actually. The official, Wassam Tawil, is the most senior member of the Shiite militant group to be killed in an Israeli strike since Hezbollah and Israel began trading fire across the Lebanese-Israeli border on October 8th. In a statement, Hezbollah also acknowledged the death of Tawil. The group shared pictures of him alongside other top Hezbollah officials and Kasim Soleimani, the former commander of the Iranian elite unit that handles the country's overseas operations, who was killed in the U.S. airstrike four years ago, which is an apparent indication of Tawil's stature. Yeah, and meanwhile, Secretary St. Blinken, he's on another diplomacy tour in the Mideast. He's trying to make plans with other countries in the region uh, to rebuild Gaza after the war. And uh, what's that song you like to sing, Renee? Surprise, surprise. Republicans are calling for Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to step down over his secret hospital stay uh, that nobody knew about for, for days, mainly President Biden, who didn't know. I think he checked in on checked in he was admitted it's not a hotel he he was admitted on monday and uh biden didn't know till wednesday and uh real quick before we hit the break former president trump he filed a claim yesterday in georgia asking to have his election subversion case dismissed because he argued that he's protected by presidential immunity if you remember back in december special counsel jack smith he wanted the supreme court to give an expedited ruling on whether or not former president trump had immunity from crimes that he may or may not have committed in office uh, the supreme court refused letting the ruling work its way back up through lower courts which was definitely seen as a victory for trump because he could do exactly this file a claim and slow roll the trial until after the election Possibly. It's funny, though, Renee, because Trump and his defense team, they went from we did nothing wrong, just like his phone call to Zelensky's Trump's phone call to the Georgia secretary of state was perfect to, uh, hey, uh, if I did do something wrong in office, uh, I'm immune, right? Right. Just, That's just how that works. Kind of, yeah, just kind of a different tune. Well, I, I, I don't know if it works. I guess we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I, this is why special counsel Jack Smith wanted to. Uh, head this off at the pass uh, because this is exactly what he thought would happen. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And of course, congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines for winning the Natty, as the kids like to call it. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about that uh, coming up with Guy Lloyd and Jamie as we uh, get ready for JR morning. Meantime, Renee, uh, today is the day uh, where you make the big bucks. We've got a <laughs> winter weather advisory uh, from now until 11 a.m. And uh, um, how how's it looking out there on the roads? Doesn't sound too busy, but uh, that could change very, very soon. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those days where if you can work from home, do so. Uh, there hasn't really been any school closings or anything like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Coming in this morning, it wasn't bad. It was dry most of it. The winter weather advisory started at 4 o'clock this morning. Uh, it was pretty anticlimactic. <laughs> when I woke up this morning, I looked out the window and went, oh, there's nothing yet. Okay. Right. It was 
it was kind of like when you're a kid and and you're like, oh, it's a snow day and you look outside and it's completely green. Right. Except I, I'm guessing you probably had the opposite reaction because instead of, uh, you know, getting a snow day, we have to drive through. The right. Snow. I went, oh, thank God. Uh, it is right. going to be in effect until 11 o'clock this morning. It's going to be very strange. So we're going to get some snow this morning. It's going to be a little windy. So there is a, that potential for some blowing snow. Uh, but then it's going to turn to rain this afternoon. So uh, the good news is it's not going to be a messy commute home, I don't think, because that that rain's going to melt it all off. It could be some slushy stuff in the afternoon, but uh, it doesn't, I don't think it's going to be anything snowpocalypse-like. It sounds like Friday we could get some major weather, but I I don't think it's going to be anything too awful and crazy. Just be careful. Yeah, I think last night I saw Kim Adams say there were multiple kind of fronts coming through, and today, at least, the longer it stays above freezing, I would say the better. Right. And uh, because, you know, once all this rain freezes, then, you know, then 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 we're out of the, uh, you know, we're out of the frying pan and into the fire or whatever that, uh, like that. whatever that metaphor is. We're Michiganders. We've seen much worse. Well, and I'm looking at uh, my my Google here and I'm looking at the hourly temperatures and at least according to whatever weather service google uses i just typed in detroit weather um the timeline it doesn't have it going below freezing so we may we may escape this one with just some rain but i mean at this weird in between temperature it can go from rain to ice really quickly so i would just treat it as if uh, it's a sheet of ice out there. right be careful uh, better safe than slow right Exactly. I don't Better wanna, safe and slow than sorry. Right. I don't want to be those people that overhype it, but I, you know, just be careful. Right. G- good rule of thumb between now and let's face it, mid-May, because <laughs> winter sometimes lasts that long. Just be careful out there. And uh, and uh, you know what? That reminds me, Alexa, set reminder to check my tires. <laughs> Probably should have done that months ago. <laughs> exactly. But hey. Don't, I'll, I'll go an extra five under. All right. So, uh, of course, just uh, keep your ears locked to Renee. Don't miss a second. Um, if you have to, uh, it, you know, if you have to duck into a meeting, just time it between her traffic reports and you'll be all right. <laughs> we got gotcha. you. All right. 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 She's got gotcha. you. All right. So classes resumed yesterday in Berkeley Hall at Michigan State University, where two people were killed in last February's mass shooting. Uh, Students were greeted at the main entrance with free food and drinks, therapy dogs, support staff to help students and staff back to school. Uh, The wing where the shooting itself took place is empty. The rooms where the violence uh, happened, they're sealed off, they're hidden. There's a banner that says there are no classes in that wing. In fact, there's never going to be classes in that wing ever again. The university is looking to start renovations on that part of the building this summer. And Obviously, the decision to start classes again so soon, less than a year after the shooting, it, it's, it's been very controversial. I understand that the university may need to use the space, but I think it should be up to the students and faculty who live through that terror and, and, and have to deal with the after effects. You know, you, you, you hope there's an online option or something for classes in Berkeley Hall for those students not ready to return. If it were me making the decisions, Renee, I would have waited. Uh, I, I've heard that other universities they've uh, who've exper- experienced similar shootings like this in the past, they've either, either demolished the buildings or kept them closed much longer. I probably would have waited four to five years, let the majority of the students who were on campus during the shooting filter out, graduate, 
That way the incoming students, although they will obviously hear about and know about what happened, they won't have those traumatic memories tied to the place. Sure. I mean, how do you um, how do you study? How do you focus and concentrate with that in the back of your mind? I mean, I, yeah. Right. You don't use that building again for those students. Yeah. And, you know, God forbid you're one of the students who had, to, you know, who might have been in Berkey Hall when this happened. Or, or, I mean, even if you were one of the students who were nowhere near the shooting, but, you know, you got those alerts on your phone and, right. and you were sheltering in place for however many hours. I mean, you don't know who that guy is. You didn't know where that Right. You didn't know where he was. He he could have been coming into wherever you were sheltering in place. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, th- this obviously this decision is above my pay grade, but I, I, I tend to agree with the people who think it might be a little soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we got some very disturbing updates on um, that Boeing aircraft. The what was it? The uh, the Air Max nine. Yeah. By Nike. Yep. Uh, no, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the 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 door, the door that popped open uh, mid-flight over the weekend on Alaska Airlines. Yeah, it was not being used for flights to Hawaii after a warning light that could have indicated a press pressurization problem lit up on three different flights prior. Uh, Alaska Airlines decided to restrict the aircraft from long flights over water so that the plane could return very quickly to an airport if the warning light reappeared. Uh, also, investigators will not have the benefit of hearing what was going on in the cockpit during the flight because the cockpit voice recorder was uh, one of one of the two so-called black boxes recorded over the flight sound after two hours. What? <laughs> The Max is the newest version of Boeing's uh, venerable 737, a twin-engine, single-aisle plane frequently used on U.S. domestic flights. Now, the Max has been plagued by other issues, including manufacturing flaws and concern about overheating that led to the FAA to tell pilots to limit use of an anti-ice system and a possible loose bolt in the rudder system. So they're not going to know because... The black box was having issues. It, re- it was recording over itself. I, I don't exactly know what I mean, that means. But the warning lights. To- yeah, what was it held together with? A wing and a prayer, duct tape. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. And bubble gum. Yes, like it's different when the warning. You know, when your car's engine light comes on and we continue to drive. But right. this is what? How is right. this plane allowed in the air? Right. Worse that happens if if your car stalls out, you have to pull over, you you block traffic. Right. Worse that happens if, if something goes wrong with your airplane, well, you, you know what happens. Right. Um, it's it's a tube in the air that falls. Again, right, exactly. Or the door blows off. I mean, this is becoming a theme of this segment. Again, this is all above my pay grade, but I would think and I would hope that if an airline had an airplane that they felt wasn't safe to fly over water because the door could fly off, they would probably not use that same aircraft to fly over land. I mean, what the heck? I if, don't I don't care if the sink in the bathroom isn't working. I don't want to get on that plane. <laughs> if, what? If, if, if I'm on an airplane and I find out that there's some kind of warning that says, uh, yeah, this airplane's not supposed to fly over water because the door can fly off. I'm like that lady in the viral video. I am standing up in the <laughs> middle of the plane and saying, 
that mother bleeping door is not real. And, and I'm I would telling make a... you. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, holy cow. I, I, I would think that if you were a passenger on this airplane and you find this out, I would think you would probably have a, a, a pretty good legal case against this airline because that seems – I mean, that that sounds, I don't know what's worse than negligent, but that's what this was. Right. How is this not some kind of FAA protocol that there can't be any kind of warning lights on the airplane that can't go off, that the plane is even allowed to lift its wheels at that point? I mean, this was an Alaska airline flight, all right? And it, so it sounded like the, the logic was that um, – you know, okay, if if you're at least if you're flying over land, you can make an emergency landing. But there's a lot of nothing and there's a lot of mountains out there in Alaska. What if this thing blew off while you're over over the mountains and you had no airport for hundreds and hundreds of miles? Right. This doesn't this is the, this airplane and ain't airplane and not, something's not making sense here. Right. And and then by the way, I heard on the uh the the news here, um that I, I guess, um, you know, inspectors, they were I- investigating the rest of the Boeing 737 Air Max 9s that were grounded, and they found a uh, a, a lot of loose bolts. Oh, so, fantastic. So, yeah. Hey, fly the friendly skies, right? <laughs> this is why John Madden traveled in an RV. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> this is why John Madden had his own bus. Makes sense. Again, the door flies open on a bus. You slowly break and pull off to the side of right. the road. Yep. If the door flies open on an airplane, you get your shirt sucked off your body, and that's the best case scenario. And make TikToks. Apparently. And, and now I can imagine John Madden diagramming something of what you just said. <laughs> All right. So uh, there was supposed to be a door here, right here, and then he circles it. He said, uh, "But this was just a plug, and then there was no screw here, and then pow." <laughs> that, yeah, that would be funny. That'd be funny. All right. Um, have you, you know, I'm going to save this story for later on, maybe tomorrow, because um, the Lions, they have a bit of a dilemma here. Uh, both their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, and defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, they may find themselves in competition after the Lions win the Super Bowl this season uh, because they've both been offered interviews for the Washington Commanders head coaching job Ooh. after they fired head coach Ron Rivera and former GM Martin Mayhew, which I don't know Martin Mayhew, um, who obviously spent some time in the front office here uh, for the Lions. I don't know he found work again, but uh, coming into the season, it was pretty well understood that Lions had Ben Johnson for one more year. He was a really hot coaching prospect last season but he decided to stay for one more year and make a run for it. Aaron Glenn's a little bit more of a surprise to me. The Lions defense has improved this year, but I'm not sure where they stack up against the rest of the NFL, even though he was named top coordinator in an NFL player survey. So it seems like the guys love playing for him. Um, and, and, and look, this is the pitfall of success, right? If you're, if you're a head coach, you hire good coordinators, they're going to leave, which means you did a good job hiring them, but now you have to find someone else uh, to replace them. And so good luck to both of them. Well-deserved. Um, but we're not worried about that because the Lions still have a Super Bowl to win. That's right. We still have business to take care of here. Now, there, there was some optimistic news yesterday. Dan Campbell struck a more hopeful tone about Sam Laporta's uh, knee injury. 
Uh, not ruling him out for Sunday. He said the next 48 hours, which would be today and tomorrow, will be crucial. So um, a little bit better of a prognosis for uh, our star rookie tight end uh, against Matthew Stafford and the Rams, but um, still not a slam dunk. And we still don't know if he's going to be 100 percent. But uh, there you go, Renee. It's 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 just nice to hear that uh, our coordinators are good enough that that other teams are thinking of poaching them. And they're not allowed to uh, even talk to anybody until January 22nd, right? I believe so. Yeah. And, and obviously they're not going to, the, the the longer they go, the longer run they make in the playoffs. I don't think that, I don't know if this is a rule or if it's just bad form. I but think it I was under think, newly revised rules I read. Yeah. But um, like, even if it is after January 22nd and the Lions are still in the playoffs, I don't think they would, I don't think they would talk to 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 Washington until after the season was over even right. if it is past January sure. 22nd sure. so um please stay but we know that's unrealistic please so. please <laughs> uh we are going to uh, take a quick break and then get you ready for JR morning's first thing Mike Parsons Renee Vitale WJR all right and on these uh winter weather advisory mornings we have one until 11 a.m i just like to take attendance in the studio to make sure everyone got in okay uh lloyd jackson uh looks like you made it in okay present all right good glad to see you made it uh looking for jamie edmonds jamie did you make it in okay here all right good very glad to see that and uh the first sign of winter weather Guy Gordon <laughs> hightails it out to Las Vegas, and now he's holed up in a hotel room, and he joins us from there. Good morning, Guy. I'm out of here. <laughs> you're, actually, you're actually over there for a reason. Yeah, CES 2024, um, in, in between trying to catch snippets of the Wolverines last night, uh, spent the evening with a lot of innovation specialists in one location, and some incredibly excited auto suppliers from southeast michigan in another it's five minutes to three there and i'm, I'm telling you, you are a trooper uh hey listen uh this is this uh, it, it, i think that ann arbor and las vegas had a lot in common last night nobody went to bed <laughs> hey did you hit the uh blackjack table after uh michigan won it all I hit the bed after Michigan won it all. No, we, I had a couple interviews set up and, and things to do uh, to get some content for this morning. So I went and did that, um, but uh, got to see the right up to about the last minute and a half of the game uh, again with some some auto suppliers that have uh, had a, uh, a suite here and a lot of guests over. And I mean, it was pandemonium. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, it, it to me, it looked like a classic Big Ten win, right? Not not a whole lot of fireworks through the air. Uh, a lot, obviously, Donovan Edwards went off in the first quarter. Uh, and then, you know, Blake Corum uh, had a heck of a game. A lot of uh, a, a lot of three yards in a cloud of dust, a lot of big mm -hmm. runs and, and, and running out the clock. But I, I want to kind of get everyone's thoughts on this. I, I, I brought this up and and Chris actually threw this out yesterday um congratulations to him he's a big michigan fan and i think this is going to be the topic on sports talk radio you know is there an asterisk next to this national championship um with the signed ceiling scandal and, and all of that my position is i feel like the fact that michigan was without jim harbaugh for penn state and ohio state gives their season their credibility back but i don't know about everyone else in this room how they feel um 
I think it kind of does. Just there was so much drama surrounding sign stealing, but also other things too. The the recruiting problems yeah. during COVID. Mm-hmm. Also, what the heck Matt Weiss did to get fired. I think right. a lot of people will think this. I think a lot of people can think what they want to think. If there's a piece of punctuation that belongs on this season, it's an exclamation point that these guys rose above it all. It's about yeah. the athletes. It's about the players. And they kicked Fanny last night. Yeah, they did. I mean, they did. Washington was, didn't know what hit them. The student <laughs> athletes didn't do anything. Wrong, no, exactly. So I'm happy for them. Exactly. Right. And uh, uh, old Big Ten foe Michael Penix um, had a heck of a season. Uh, obviously, he played for Indiana for a couple of uh, seasons, but in the second quarter, uh, when he missed that guy wide open on fourth and seven, which would have been a, f- a surefire touchdown, I said, OK, I said, Washington doesn't have it. I said, Washington doesn't have it tonight. So uh, all Michigan has to do is not mess it up. And, yeah. And, you know, uh, and the, the big strikes, you know, he just couldn't do it. He couldn't he couldn't make those big plays last night. And, you know, we didn't hear much about their uh, Washington's running back, Dylan Johnson, all season. But obviously the fact that he was playing hurt and not at 100 percent last night, I'm sure that probably probably hurt them because they had to put more on Michael Penix to carry the whole thing instead of establishing the running game. But doesn't matter in Michigan. Uh, Wolverines are our national champions. And uh, I'm sure there's uh, there's a part. The party's still probably raging in Ann Arbor right now. Are, are the couches all well, there is out? there was no. stuff on fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there were 17 couches. Is that what we heard? Uh, about that, yeah. yeah. We'll double check. <laughs> Jeremy Morning coming up. A panel of three federal judges upheld a court order to have 13 states, Hout, and Senate districts redrawn on the grounds that it disenfranchises and dilutes the black vote in majority black districts. Former state representative Sherry Gay Dagnogo is one of the people who headed up the effort to get the district withdrawn, and she discusses it on All Talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. This was a uh, major issue right before the 2022 uh, elections. The the midterms and redistricting was happening across the state. We had the redistricting commission. Well, there were a group of people who felt very strongly that this commission missed the mark on fair representation, and now the federal court has decided to redraw Metro Detroit's districts. Uh, I think Kevin underscores a pretty significant concern about what may be constitutional compliance and really effective representation. Yeah, Tom, uh, nobody's been uh, closer to this, working harder on this, than our friend Sherry Gay Dagnago, former state rep, uh, and she joins us now. Good morning, Sherry. How are you? Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, appreciate you coming back on the show. Uh, can you um, can you walk us through how this happened in the first place, how we got to where we are today? Oh, wow. So, you know, for every decade, um, there is a census, and based on population shift, uh, there is a redrawing of the line. Um, and so, you know, in 2020, uh, the census we had here, uh, well, across the country, really, um, we lost population, certainly, in a number of our, our municipalities, but nonetheless, um, after that, um, there was, before that, there was a ballot initiative uh, for Fair Maps Now uh, to uh, try and take the politics out of uh, redistricting and drawing map lines. There are a number of people, who I believe, well-intended, who wanted to try and get a fair process that was not 
um, allowing politicians to dictate what the line should be because they felt in many instances they were drawing the lines to protect themselves. Well, that helped to create and put in statute um, the Michigan Independent Redistricting Commission. Um, in many instances, they were novices that never had any experience drawing maps, and so they had to hire an expert. Uh, and in doing so, uh, the expert, unfortunately, misled them um, throughout this process. It's very, uh, there's a lot of layers to understanding how we must redistrict and the protections that exist with the Voting Rights Act because of how African Americans have historically uh, been disenfranchised in the voting process. Um, the Voting Rights Act was there to protect um, the African American community so that they would be able to have an opportunity to select or elect a candidate of their choice. Well, that comes into play. You have to have the correct data to understand the voting trends of communities and populations. And, and whether you like politicians or not, um, that is something that a number of my former colleagues do understand because, I mean, who best to know what the districts look like, um, knowing how the voting patterns exist and various precincts and so on and so forth. So uh, you have this body of, of, of commissioners who are tasked with redrawing these lines. Uh, they start the process and have the hearings across the state. When coming to Detroit, unfortunately, many of them, you know, heard the outcry from Detroit, but were advised to ignore uh, many of the citizens in the city of Detroit who were saying, you're not getting this right. Yeah, so the commission, the commission was supposed to do as fair possible, be as fair as possible in drawing these lines, um, and, and and then questions came up immediately, concerns came up, and it seemed like they didn't want to deal with them, so they just pushed them aside. Now, because they didn't deal with them, now the courts are going to jump in and say, "Wait a minute, did you disenfranchise voters?" Right? Absolutely, and and, and they use the test. I mean, if you look at of what's happening across the country. If you look at Alabama, if you look at Georgia, I mean, a myriad of states, uh, states Orleans, you name it, there are, have been a myriad of redistricting challenges. And um, thankfully, we've seen uh, what happened in Alabama and precedent set in the Supreme Court that says you cannot violate the Voting Rights Act. You cannot draw lines based on racial quotas. And so with the lack of proper election data here in our uh, case was highlighted, you know, that the judges referred to it as an oceanic uh, amount of evidence that showed that they used racial quotas and were told to reduce the black voting age population. There's a lot of terms that you hear thrown around, but when you hear BVAP or you see BVAP, black voting age population, they reduced it significantly, woefully lower than they were supposed to. And so what they did was the city of Detroit out into 22 pieces out across eight mile into Oakland and Macomb. And so many of these districts, if you look at district Senate district eight, uh, formerly represented by uh, Marshall Bullock, you'll see that, that, that seat, you know, was just a little shy of, of 30% in Detroit and the 70% across Oakland County. And even further that there was no way possible that uh, former uh, Senator Marshall Bullock or anyone else would have had a fighting chance. And so that's what they've done in a number of instances, used what was called communities of interest to put communities together. If you look at 
the east side of Detroit, Jeff Chalmers, uh, certainly uh, economically uh, a lot different than Gross Point and St. Clair Shores, grouped them together based on their affinity for sailboats, uh, grouped Brightmore and Birmingham together, another, you know, a community Brightmore that I represented when I was in the House, in, uh, Senate, I mean, House District 8, and then you have uh, Birmingham, you know, uh, a very wealthy community grouped together. Like, how could how could constituents in these communities share uh, a commonality? Um, uh, and so we see that that basically Detroit was just utilized to bolster uh, Democratic numbers out county, um, as opposed to Detroit is having fair representation. Yeah. So Detroit Democrats have been really the ones pushing for this. Has there been a lot of pushback from uh, Democrats across the state uh, well, in your efforts? Yeah. Yeah. So we know that they filed, the Senate Dems filed an amicus brief uh, to enjoin with the commissioners in um, asking the, sister, uh, the federal district, sixth district, to stay um, the decision for redrawing the map. Um, and we were in court uh, last Friday. Uh, that certainly did not happen. Um, the judges have pushed forward. And today, um, both sides, both counsel will be deciding on a um, special master, possibly yeah. two, mm -hmm. uh, to start the redrawing. Uh, certainly, the commission can appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, but I believe precedence has already been set. Uh, and so... While there's, there are challenges um, with redrawing these seats, we have a timeline that the Secretary of State has to meet, um, you know, qualifying candidates and so on. And so we're backing our way uh, up to getting the maps done. Hopefully, the commission by February, early February, I think the date was February 2nd, uh, the Secretary of State meets them by March. Um, and so certainly we know that the ballots need to be prepared and ready by April. So, but yes, there are many that are, are saying this is going to take away the majority. Well, for one, as someone who has served uh, in the House for six years and a former chair of the Detroit Caucus, and worked very closely with a number of other Detroit Caucus alumni members, uh, the majority of, of our members know that this was wrong. Many of them in 2010 helped to draw the lines, worked with Republicans uh, uh, to preserve uh, and make sure that they were compliant with VRA. Uh, the voice of those people with expertise this time around was ignored. And so, you know, you can't use Detroit simply to say we have a majority. Yeah. You have to be compliant with the Voting Rights right. Act. And so there are many people that fall on both sides of the argument. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, I just, no matter what, you can't, you can't just use 